Well, last week, Louis completed our revival series, and I hope you've been thinking and praying about how God can work in your heart to rekindle a passion for Him, a passion for serving Him, a passion just to let the Holy Spirit work in your heart and in your life so that He can work in you and through you here at Grace Church. You know, we all need revival, and I've been praying that God would also do revival in my own heart. You know, this summer, we're not going to have a formal set of uh, messages that are all connected with a common theme at summertime, right? And many are on vacation, including church staff, like Dwayne's up at a mission camp, and Louis on vacation this week. Uh, so we're calling just this group of messages our summer mix. You know, like when you put that tape together uh, years ago and put all your favorite songs on it, songs that really touched your heart, but they weren't really connected. You just loved listening to them. And we hope that this summer mix of messages will also touch your heart and teach important principles from God's word over the next couple of months. Well, let me begin by asking, have you ever sensed a strong urge to make a big change in your life But you hesitated because you knew that this new direction that you were going to be going in was not going to be easy and it was just filled with unknowns. I think it happens to many people, whether you're a Christian here today or still searching. You get this job offer that requires you to move basically across the country. Or you feel like perhaps you should go back to school again, back to college or university to help advance your career or or maybe it's a huge financial decision like when it's time to buy that first home or maybe you're taking a next step in that commitment in a relationship and you've decided to pop the big question you know i can still remember when i felt god was leading me to leave my engineering career in order to pursue full-time ministry Uh, I spent a lot of time thinking and praying about all the challenges that we as a family would face if I followed that call. It meant quitting my good job that I had with Siemens. I've been there for over 14 years, and and this would be starting a whole new career path. It meant figuring out how to live on a reduced income, going back to college to study again, sacrificing time that I'd spend usually with my family because I was studying. And I didn't even know at the time what kind of ministry God was calling me to. So many unknowns. Maybe you're facing that kind of decision even now. And there are many unknowns that make you nervous about going in this new direction. Maybe you're here today or watching online and And you're not a Christian, but you sense that God is doing something in your life. Maybe he's calling you to that point of decision to be a follower of Jesus. But you're not sure because there's so many unknowns involved. And maybe you are a Christian. And maybe God is also speaking to your heart today, calling you to to step up, uh, to serve somewhere in ministry, or maybe even start a new ministry. Or maybe he's calling you to pursue a mission trip somewhere around the world, but you're afraid because there's so many things that are uncertain about this new direction. Well, today I want to take us back to the Old Testament, that that first part of the Bible, 
and look at the life of a very key character in the story of the history of the nation of Israel, God's people. But this character also is one who teaches us something about what it means to take God at his word. If you spend any time reading the Old Testament, you'll notice a recurring theme. God calls individual people, ordinary people, just like you and me, and he calls us to a point of decision. And then we read about how those individuals respond to God. They respond to God and then the consequences of that decision that they make. Some individuals respond to God in a positive way and they, they obey God and, and follow his direction and, and it, because of their obedience, God blesses them. Others, however, respond negatively. They, they reject God leading them and they don't trust him. They don't take him at his word and it proves costly because they go off in their own direction. But in either case, however, the point of decision requires one thing. And that's called faith. They either believe God and trust in his promises, they take him at his word, or they don't believe him and then continue in their own direction along their own way. And in either case, the decision is a decision of faith. And every decision has its consequences. You see, a life of faith is a life of decision followed by action. In the New Testament book of James, the author James, who is actually a brother of Jesus, wrote this. He said, do not merely listen to the word, talking about the word of God, and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. You see, living a life of faith is a life of decision and a life of action. And here we want to read in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, in the 12th chapter, and we see that theme repeated again and again in the life of this man, and his name is Abraham. Abraham is a very significant figure in the Bible, and we read about his beginnings of following God's call on his life in Genesis chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, would you take them, turn with me to Genesis Chapter 12, you can look it up on your phone. The words will be on the screen. We're going to read Genesis 12, the whole chapter in the first four verses of chapter 13, but not all at once. I'll break it up as we go along in the message. So let's look at the first nine verses of Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, go From your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions he had accumulated and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great trees of Moreh and Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, You 
to your offspring I will give this land. And so he, that's Abram, built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the east and Ai on the east. Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We ask your blessing on us as we listen and hear from your word today and see this life, the life of this servant of yours, Abraham, that you called. You called him to take you at your word, Lord. Lead us as we learn lessons from his life today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just to clear up any confusion, uh, when we first are introduced here to this man, Abraham, in this chapter, he still has his old name, Abram. You see, Abram means exalted father. Later in the story, in chapter 17, God changes his name to Abraham, which means father of a multitude, and it's a reflection on God's promise to make his descendants into a great nation. Here we read that out of thousands of people in this pagan world around that time, God chose this one man, Abram, to be the father of a new nation of people, a nation whose purpose it was to represent the true and living God, to be a witness, to to shine as a light in the sense in the middle of this pagan world of darkness. And throughout his life, we see God repeatedly calling Abram to a point of decision. And we read then about how Abraham responds to that decision. And so here in this first chapter of Abram's journey of faith, we see the positive and the negative consequences of decisions he makes. And today we want to understand what we can learn from them. And so I want to look at three decisions Abram makes in response to God's activity in his life and how they teach us about what it means to take God at his word. The first encounter Abram has with God is significant. You see, we just read about that God called Abraham to basically leave his family, to leave his home, his community, everything that was familiar to him, and to go to this foreign land that he had never been to before. Now, I don't know about you, but that would have freaked me out. I don't like change. I don't like the unknown. But you see, many times when God takes a hold of our lives, he wants to stretch us. He wants us to go outside of our comfort zone, to exercise faith, to trust him with these unknowns that lay ahead of us, to take him at his word. That when he promises that he's going to be directing us all along the way, when he, when he promises that he's going to be providing for all our needs, he means it. And we can take him at his word. And that was true for Abram as well. And God called Abram to leave everything that made his life comfortable and then trust him. And that's the first point we want to look at this morning. Taking God at his word involves trusting him even when it stretches us beyond our comfort zone. And faith means more than just hearing God. 
listening to what he says. As we said earlier, faith requires action. But for Abraham, God's call was more than just packing up his bags and taking this long road trip to Canaan. You see, this call, first and foremost, was a call for Abraham to surrender control of his life to God. We're talking about salvation. We're talking about a call for Abraham to leave his old way of life, that sinful way of life when he was separated from God, and to respond in faith and trust and surrender his life now to the true and living God. You see, like most of the people in Abram's culture of that day, Abram came from a family of idol worshippers. Abram and his family came from a large city called Ur. You'll see it here on the map. That's a picture of the Middle East. Ur was a huge industrial and religious center in that Mesopotamian world at the time. And in the center of this city was this huge temple called the Ziggurat. This picture is a, the great Ziggurat of Ur that archaeologists have discovered in Iraq back in the 1920s. And the, the people of Ur back in Abram's time worshipped the gods of nature, specifically the moon god Nana, in these ziggurats, these temples. So this is the kind of lifestyle that God called Abraham to leave behind. He called him to leave that sinful life of idol worship behind and to follow the true and living God. But why did God call Abraham of all people? Like out of thousands of people in this pagan world, why did God choose Abraham? Was it because he was such a good person? Was it because he had this incredible moral resolve about him? Maybe he helped the homeless in the city of Ur. Maybe he ran the local food bank in Ur. Did God call Abram because he was a stellar citizen in his community? No. God called Abraham because God chose him. It was through an act of God's sovereign grace that he picked Abraham to begin a new nation, a nation that would be ambassadors then of God in the world surrounding that area. And that's the same for you and for me as well. You see, the creator of the universe is interested in you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And it's not because of what you've done, and it's not because you're such a good person, and it's not because of the things you do in our community. Like Abraham, God in his incredible grace offers you to have that broken relationship restored with him again. And it takes a step of faith to recognize that you are broken. The Bible calls that sin. And it's the sin that separates us from God. And you see, you need God to rescue you from that brokenness. And he provides the way for you to be forgiven and for salvation to enter your life by putting faith and trust in Jesus who paid for your sin on the cross and then surrendered the control of your life to him. And if you want to learn more about what that means, let me encourage you to just 
sign up for our Step Into Faith class next week where we talk about God's grace and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You see, God chose Abram, and then Abram responded in faith, and then God makes this promise to him. It's called a covenant, an agreement. And we read about that in our text here in verse 2 and 3, where God says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. You see, here in Genesis 12, God shows Abram a glimpse of his plan of salvation because it was through Abram's descendants that Jesus, the Savior of the world, would be born. That's what God meant when he said all peoples of the earth will be blessed through him. You see, Jesus came into the world through the Jewish people, the descendants of Abram, to bring salvation and bring light into a world of darkness. And we have access to that gift of salvation to receive that blessing from God as well. Forgiveness and purpose in our lives because Abraham stepped out of his comfort zone and responded to God in faith. He took God at his word. It wasn't Abraham's actions that saved him. It wasn't being a good person that saved him or made him right with God. No, he believed in the promise that God had made and he took God at his word. Abram obeyed God's call and he journeyed to the land of Canaan and all the unknowns that came with it. And when he finally arrived at the place that God had directed them to, he worshipped the Lord there like we're doing this morning. Verse 7 and 8, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring I will give this land. And so Abram built an altar to the Lord And he appeared to him, and there he built an altar of the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. How about you here today? Are you watching online today? Is God calling you to step out of your comfort zone, to take that step of faith, to to surrender your life to him, or to trust him with that financial decision that's looming ahead of you, or, or to trust him with that relationship to bring healing in the brokenness there. It's going to stretch you. But you know God is calling you to take a step of faith and take him at his word. But while responding to God's call whether it's for salvation where it leads to a life of victory as a follower of Jesus or other decisions in your life, a life as a follower of Jesus doesn't come without its hardships and it doesn't come without its trials and tests. And we see that with Abram as well. Abram obeyed God in faith and journeyed to the land of Canaan, this unknown land, but when trouble finally hit, when hardship came, Abram's faith was tested, and unfortunately, he dropped the ball. And that's the second thing we want to look at this morning. We're going to read the next section of our text, starting at verse 10 here, and it'll be on the screen again. Genesis 12, beginning at verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. 
As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. They will then kill me, but we will will let you live. Say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. When Abrams came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarah was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abraham well for her sake and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious disease on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me, he said. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men. And they set him on his way with his wife and everything he had. Abraham was such a great man of faith, yet, like many of us, things go well, your faith is strong, but throw a wrench into the mix, and suddenly when hardships arise in life, our faith can so easily waver. Is that true for you as well this morning? That's one thing that I love about reading the Old Testament. The accounts of people's lives are just so genuine. There's no perfect people living perfect lives that we can't even relate to ourselves. The stories that we read about in the Bible, we see people living their lives warts and all. And the Bible is so transparent when it comes to revealing the weakness of human nature that we see here in the next part of Abraham's journey. In verse 10, it talks about famine in the land and Abraham goes down to Egypt because the famine was severe. See, Abram hadn't been in this land of Canaan that God had led him to very long before this famine shows up and food becomes scarce. So when things start to get a bit rough, Abram abandoned the land that God had just promised him and given to him, and he ran to Egypt to get some quick relief. So what happened to Abram? Had God's promise suddenly changed? Did God make a mistake The land of Canaan wasn't so great after all? No, that's not what happened. You see, God was testing Abraham's faith. God was testing Abram's faith to see if Abram would really take him at his word. But rather than trust God, Abram went off and took matters into his own hands. I guess we can't really blame him for his actions after all, like he... He was responsible for his family and all those servants that he had. He needed to provide for them, right? But you see, where Abraham failed was not so much in choosing to go down to Egypt, but the problem was that in the process of trying to figure out what to do about this famine, Abraham never consulted with God first. He never asked God for a Direction for direction in his life in the moment of this crisis that he faced. You see, sometimes in our journey of faith, we get sidetracked. Is that true for you too as well? We're living by faith and everything is going well, but then suddenly we get this roadblock that shows up and our first instinct is to do what? 
It's to take back control from God. To take back control and try to do things in our own strength. Try to head down our own path that we think is better. And that's the second thing we learn about Abram from the story of Abram, that when our faith gets sidetracked, we make decisions without including God, and often the consequences are very negative. See, that's the challenge we face in life. God has given us the freedom to make decisions. And that was true of, that's true for everyone, whether you're a Christian this morning, whether you're still searching We all have the freedom to make decisions. And for Christians, we as followers of Jesus, we can choose to make those decisions and include God and seek His direction, or we can ignore God and go off in our own direction. And here from the life of Abraham, we learn that when we see Abraham include God in his decisions, it follows with God leading him and blessing him. But when we take, when Abram took a detour and didn't include God, God was left out of the picture, the results were disastrous. You know, nowhere in our text or in any other part of the Bible that references this account of Abram do we read about Abram having this, a conversation with God to ask for his direction what to do when the famine arose. Perhaps God would have miraculously just provided for him, like he provided manna for the Israelites when they were in the wilderness. Perhaps God would have told him, go to Egypt anyway. I mean, that happened a number of times in the Bible where we read about God directing people to flee to Egypt. Even Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, were told, go to Egypt to flee from Herod, the king who wanted to kill the newborn Savior. But Abram, no, took matters into his own hands, and in the end, he paid a heavy price for his foolishness. You see, not only did God, did he not doubt God by taking his family down to Egypt, but look at the subsequent, subsequent consequences of his sin. First of all, he lied to Pharaoh, telling him that his wife Sarai was actually his sister and potentially leading Pharaoh to violate her. There in Egypt, Sarah also acquired a slave woman named Hagar. You can read about that in Genesis 16. And we know the dire consequences of that situation. It was through Hagar that Abram had another son, Ishmael. And Ishmael became the father of all the Arab nations and arch enemies of Israel for centuries to come. And it was in Egypt that Abram's nephew Lot most likely also reacquired a lust for wealth and luxury and that led him to choose the best part of the land. You see, when our faith gets sidetracked from God's will, it opens the door for things to go wrong. And we often end up making poor decisions and the consequences of decisions lead to unnecessary pain in our life that we can avoid. But does God give up on us? Never. And again, because of his grace and mercy, we see God comes to the rescue. And that's the final lesson we can learn from the story of Abraham, that in spite of our failures, God remains faithful in keeping his promises because of his grace and his love for us.
Abram was spared from disaster because God intervened in the situation that he got himself into. God struck Pharaoh with this plague that prevented him from violating Sarai, the future mother of the nation of Israel. And to make matters even more humiliating, Abraham is rebuked for his deception by this pagan king. Have you ever been rebuked? by a person who is not a Christian because of your questionable behavior. It's a very humbling experience. I remember working for my uncle many years ago uh, when I was in high school, delivering produce uh, for him in the Niagara area. And most of the guys that I worked with there were not Christians, but they all knew I was. And one day I was acting like a real jerk, and I said something that made it, yeah, appear that I was just arrogant and it was offensive to them. And later that day, one of the guys just called me out on it and said, you say you're a Christian, but that sure wasn't acting very much like what a Christian is from my understanding. And I felt pretty embarrassed. I apologized for my rude behavior. But you see, as Christians, our lives are constantly being observed by those around us, by the world around us. In the New Testament, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, wrote this. He says, Live such good lives among the unbelievers that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You see, the world is watching how we act, our attitudes and behaviors because we say we're followers of Jesus. Are we living like that? We need to be alert about whether our lives are reflecting the character of God. Are we living the way Jesus wants us to live? Are we loving people? Are we caring for people? Are we telling other people about the love of God? Are we sharing the hope that we have because we have a relationship with Jesus? You see, Abram was called to be God's representative, to reflect his character to the nations around him. And in this case, he blew his testimony big time. But God is so gracious. Even when we mess up, he never writes us off. And that's true for you and me here today as well. Whether you're here today and you're still searching for purpose in your life or seeking to learn more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus or whether you've been a Christian for the majority of your life, God doesn't write us off when we mess up. And in His grace, He keeps reaching down to, to pick us up and to draw us closer to Himself. Abraham sinned by taking matters into his own hands and heading off to Egypt without God's direction. But by God's grace, his relationship with God was restored again. Because you see, we serve a gracious, merciful, loving God who wants us to recognize when we mess up and to admit that to him. He wants that broken relationship with him restored again. And God loves us in spite of our sin, in spite of our selfishness, and he continues to pursue us to be restored to himself. But it begins with repentance. 
You see, God offers us forgiveness, but it comes once we've recognized that we've messed up. And we turn around from that, and we confess it. In the Bible, in John, 1 John 1, it says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. To repent means that we acknowledge that we've messed up, that, that we are, we're living a life focused on ourselves and not on God, that we make decisions based on our own ambitions and not on what God's will is. And then we choose to confess that and to seek His forgiveness and then ask Him to help us turn our lives around so that He becomes the center again of our life. You see, after that humiliating ordeal in Egypt, Abram picked himself up, gathered his family, and returned back to the land of Canaan where God had first led him. Abram repented and returned to God. We read about that. Let me read this next section in our text here from chapter 13. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your. Oh, wrong one, sorry. The Lord, so Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and gold. From the Negev he went to the place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where he, his tent had been earlier, and where he had first built an altar. And there, again, Abram called on the name of the Lord. That word Bethel, it means house of God. Isn't that a wonderful image? Abram returned to the house of God where he had first encountered God and built an altar to him there and worshipped him. Can you see the value of learning about these Old Testament characters? About the story of Abram? You see, we learn that God calls people to step outside of their comfort zone, to step out in faith and take him at his word. And he's still calling people like you and me to do that today. You see, we also see that God promises blessing, and that blessing comes through a relationship with Jesus. God not only reached down and called Abraham to come out to come out and be separate from the pagan world where he had come, that he promised great blessing to him as a result of his obedience and taking God at his word and the promises he made to give him the land and to give him descendants. And that blessing is available to us too when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. We also learn that God tests us. And when God tests us, he's looking for us to continue to seek him, to find direction for our crisis, to help us through it with him. But he demands our obedience, and he rewards our faithfulness. And then finally, we learn that God is a gracious God, and that even when we do mess up, he never gives up on us. He offers us forgiveness and he offers us the opportunity to be restored in our relationship with him. So, are you living by faith? Are you taking God at his word like Abraham? 
Let's choose today to trust in the promises that God gives, to take him at his word, to step out of our comfort zone, and to follow him on this journey of faith. Wherever you are in that journey, God is calling you to himself for you to respond, to take him at his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful story of Abram, the father of the nation of Israel, Lord, and the father of faith who believed you, who took you at your word. And because of his faith, Lord, you blessed him. And God, from his descendants came Jesus, the one who blesses all those who come to trust in him by faith because he paid the penalty for our sin. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful story that we can learn from to respond to your call on our lives with faith, trusting you because you are God who loves us, are merciful, and are faithful. We praise you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did for us on the cross. We pray this in your name. Amen.